Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello. I was just trying to punch in the notes. That was a great sermon. Right? Flip, that was like a sermon all on its own right there. We need a strategy for, God, for God's action in our life. I think it's unbelievably brilliant. And uh, yeah, amazing. I, I, uh, I have had the privilege of preaching twice today. Just before I preach, I just want to mention, we bought a whole bunch of Bibles as a church. And we realized it is tough economic times. And if economically, and you don't have the finances to buy a Bible, please come and get one from us. If you do have the finances to Bible, buy a Bible, please buy one. But if you don't, we'd love to give and make sure people have got Bibles, because actually this is the power, this is the life. We want people in the Word, so we're committed to that. We've got mostly English, and then we've got some Afrikaans, and we're still trying to get a few other languages. But let us know. Come and speak to Tyler or one of the staff. We'd love to give you a Bible. Make sure that you are in the Word of God with us. And um, I had the privilege of preaching twice this morning, and the first service was amazing. There was life in the worship, so it went on a little bit longer, and then I knew I had to get to Milnerton. So I jumped in my car, I got there, oh, roadblock, Tableview neighborhood watch guys on patrol. I'm like, so thankful for civil servants, love these people, Lord, thank you. Um, but I really need to get to church because worship's coming to an end. I'm getting SMSs from Brett, where are you? I'm on my way, I'm on my way. So I'm driving and, and doing my best to keep, keep to the law of the land. You know, we should do that. It's a good thing. And everything inside of me is like, it's very justifiable to go over the law because you're going to go preach the gospel. Surely it's justifiable. And then I get to that stop street, that robot by Sunset Beach. And as I'm approaching it, I'm probably 100 meters out, 80 meters out. It turns a shade of orange. And in my heart, I'm going, God, I need to preach the gospel. This is life or death. I've got to get there. Surely if it was a slightly darker shade of orange and I went through it, there is no camera. And in milliseconds, I do the sums. And by the grace of God, I hit brakes and I stop before the line. And I, in my head, even while I was processing it, going, it's half past 10. Everyone that I know is a church. At least our people are a church. So even if I went through, no one would see. Only to stop at the robot take a deep breath and look to my right and there's a lady from our church on her mountain bike waving at me. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are with us. You are faithful. You are kind and you are true. And um, it's never justifiable. Point of the story. But um, I have the incredible privilege of preaching the gospel today. and, And we're speaking about, we're starting a series called This Is What We Do. So I'm not telling you exactly what it's about just yet, but this is what you do is one of those statements that that we make, and it's a norm. It's like for our family, there was something we just did. If you came to dinner with our family and the Van Pletsen kids were there, there were three older daughters and myself. My older sister's about nine years older than me. They were great singers, and I was kind of the Klingon to the crew. I was forced to play guitar, so I played guitar. But what we would do is we'd have dinner with our guests, We'd have dessert with our guests, and we'd go through to um, the lounge that we were privileged to have, and there was a piano in the lounge, and by age, we would perform for our guests. Yes, a bit weird. I know, it's a little bit like the sound of music. It's true. And my older sister would sing first, and she would sing a number, then my next sister would sing a number, then my next sister would sing a number, and I'd have to come at the end, well, it's one for the money, two for the show. But this is what we did. And people would say, why are we doing this? I go, oh, Dad, man, this is terrible. 
He'd say, son, this is what we do. This is our family. This is what we do. I didn't understand it. I thought it was a little weird, but this is what we do. And then we would gather for meals, and we would gather around the dining room table, and it was all good until about standard three or four, where there was this amazing thing that entered my world called Mnet. Before DSTV, if you don't know what Mnet is. But Mnet was amazing. It had like all these shows and stuff. It came on only at two o'clock. Yes, there was a time when TV only started at two o'clock. And there was only like three channels or something. One, actually, for Mnet. And, and I was like, Dad, but now I've got to leave my new friend Mnet to come and sit at a table with my family. Why do I do this? And he would say to me, son, this is what we do. This is what we do as a family. I didn't know why he said that, and I didn't know why we're doing that, but this is what we do as a family. And then we went on holiday this recent, about two, three weeks ago. We had a weekend away, and the sun was shining, and it was all amazing. But we had planned a moment with our sons, one hour where we would do manners training. I have a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. And I was sitting with my sons, and, and the sun was shining, and the four-year-old and the six-year-old was like, this is pretty cool. And they're walking up. Mom would go outside, and mom would come inside, and they'd walk up. They'd get off their couch. They'd walk up to her. Hello, ma'am. Welcome to our home. My name's Ben. And we were teaching them how to, how to engage people, how to respect people. And my eight-year-old Judah's like, oh, Dad, can't we just go to the beach? This is so boring. Say, no, boy, this is, this is what we do. See, they don't know why we're doing it, but this is what we do. As a family. You see, one day, the dream inside my heart while we're taking time and not on the beach is one day, there, there will be a moment when there's a pretty young lass and she's got options. Maybe 20, 30 options, I don't know. But in amongst those 20, 30, there's a little lad whose surname is called Van Pletsen. And that guy opens the door for her. And that guy gets her flowers, and that guy treats her with respect, and that guy thanks her for the privilege of her presence in that moment, and that guy looks after her, and that guy wins her heart, and at his wedding, he'll turn to me and say, now I know why we did what we did. Thank you, Dad. You see, we don't always know why we do what we do, but there is stuff that is good for us that we do. And we're in a house here. This isn't my house. I'm not the head of this house. This house has a head. His name is God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. They are the head of this church. They are the head of this house. And this house has a father. And this father calls us to do some things that we just do because of who we are. And I went to pray for his daughter a while back. And it was about half past ten at night. And I was tired. When I pray, I can't stand still. So I walk around and I pray like this. And eventually I ran out of words. So I started praying in tongues. And if you don't know what that is, ask Andrew afterwards. And I was praying in tongues, which is a language, a heavenly language that God gives us. It's a gift. It's a gift of His Spirit. But I was just praying in tongues all of a sudden to realize that someone else was in the room. And I turned, there's a nurse looking at me. And her first question to me was, are you okay? <laughs> to which I said, I'm fine, actually. Um, and then she said, well, what, what language are you speaking in? I said, well, we don't really have time to do a whole debrief, but the Bible calls it tongues. And she said, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying. She said, why are you praying? I said, because this is what we do. I am a son of the living God. I'm a son of the God that, that worships the King of Kings. And because he died on that cross, I pray for healing because he said you can have healing. And because he is a healer, I can pray for healing. This is just what we do. Then when my kid gets sick in the middle of the night, I don't first rush them to hospital. I don't first rush to the pharmacy. I don't first rush even to the cabinet at home. I lay my hands and I pray. Why? Because this is what we do. Even if we don't fully understand it. Even if we prayed a thousand times. 
this is what we do. And there are these statements that this is what we do. You know why we do what we do? It's because of who He is. If you are here tonight, if life changes your story, this is what we do because of who our Father is and who He's calling us to be. Young people at church the night or two nights before their exams. Why? Because they've worked hard because actually there's a provider, there's someone who will bring them peace. This is what they do. It doesn't make sense to the world. Probably doesn't even make sense to their parents. And, um, but we get pulled into a story, but there is a tug of war happening, and we're going to use this rope later as an illustration, but there is a tug for the heart of man. It's been there since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. There's a fight for our hearts. And even when we make a stand, well, this is what we do, there's the, there's the six, seven-year-old inside of each of one of us that goes, oh, Dad. And it happened in the Garden of Eden. They're in, they're in Eden. It's perfection. They have perfect community with the perfect God. They're provided in every way. God has provided everything for their needs. God has given Adam Eve the perfect wife for him. And a stand-up original. There was no other. Yeah, they were blessed out of their socks. And, and they probably on their, on their sled that they had, I don't know, with their deer pulling, I don't know. <laughs> Hashtag blessed across the back. Just big. It's like all there in Eden. They've got it. And then Genesis 3 happens. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, what's he doing? He's taking the word of God. Who is God? Our Father. The word of God. And just twisting a little bit. And the woman said to the serpent, You may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. So there's this big truth. I am blessed. Look at us, Adam and Eve. We are blessed in the garden. There's just the one thing Father says don't touch. And the enemy brings attention to that one thing. He says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What's he doing? He's fighting for the heart of man. He's fighting for that thing that says, it's about me. Why is God holding out on me? It's inside of every one of us every day, guys. We wake up and we go, oh, well, surely there's more. Surely God's goodness. There's more. Surely if I just go there, if I just do this, there is a tug for the heart of man. And God says, now I want to bring you back to who you are and get on with what you do. Why? Because there's a father in the house and he's not off his throne. He's in control. He's pulling us back into a story. And the tug of war for the hearts of man has never stopped. The battle rages in every heart. But this series, This Is What We Do, isn't just a statement of everything we do at the church. It's something to the heart of who our God is. And it'll bring freedom and life, and this is what it's about. It's about radical, irrational, faithful generosity. Radical, irrational, faithful generosity. And some of you, your butts have just got a little bit tighter on the chair. Just clenched a little bit, the parts of teach, teaching about money. So it's just like a little, hmm. So just release it, go like this. Because mm. that's not good for you. A pastor's not, uh, 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 this is not about money. This is about the hearts of man. This is about who God is. The most generous, the most glorious, the most good father. And in all these stories, I want to give you three or four reasons why we're speaking about this series and about generosity. The first one is this, is families have got to speak about certain things. 
I've got little boys. There's certain things I've got to have conversations with them about. And there's conversation about who we want to be and what God has called us to. And why is something like manners important? See, we've got to get to the why and we've got to engage in things. But Hosea 4 verse 6 says this, My people are ruined because they don't know what's right. They, they, just, they just don't know what's right. The message puts it this way, My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. They're ruined. And yet in the church sometimes, because we're nervous about speaking money, because people might get nervous because there's the prosperity gospel out there, so pastors don't speak. Let me be honest. If I've got anything to confess, it's that I haven't taught enough around the issue of money because the Bible speaks about it a whole, whole lot. And every time the Bible's speaking about it, it is about a freedom in my heart, not about rands and cents. And... uh, Because Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What's he saying? Saying actually, us little humans who aren't on earth don't get it all the time. And our thoughts go a different way to the Father. And God says, I want you to have my thoughts. So I have to teach you, I have to speak. We need to be taught. If we want to grow, if we want to mature, we need to be taught and shown God's way in everything. So families, and this is a family, and I'm not the head of this family, Jesus is. But he he gives gifts and he calls us to his word to come under his authority of his word to bring freedom and life. The second reason we speak about this is I would say that much of the global church seems to be confused about who God is. If I look at how they present the issue of money and the issue of generosity, I think much of the church is confused about who God is. There is this presentation that God is this one-armed bandit in the sky that if you tug hard enough with a bit of faith and maybe some zeal and passion, he's going to push out all the resources of heaven, and that's how it works. No, we spoke last week about relationships. Psalm 133, Jerry, which says, actually, when the brothers dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. My reason for speaking about this is I want the blessing of God for everyone who calls this family home. I want the blessing of God selfishly for the family in which God has placed me, and I want that blessing for my life as well. But to remain in ignorance limits and hinders the ability for God to bless and to pour out. And so some people think God is this accountant in the sky. He's sitting behind a big desk with a nice, maybe, tie on and a nice suit, and he's working out saying, well, we've got the resources of heaven at our thing. Maybe we can push some Brandon's way. Maybe we can push some Lee's way this week. Oh, but we can't push to Joshi this month, because there's a limit. No, there is no limit in the sky, and God is not an accountant who's risk-averse. There is no opportunity cost in heaven. God's not looking at one or the other and say, which kid? No, he's saying, I love my children. My desire is to bless them. I want to bless them. But will they call on my name, and will they walk in my ways, and will they seek my word in this story? And then I believe a whole bunch of people present God as this kind of orphanage master. Can I have more? Well, just work a bit harder. Maybe go scrub that floor. Can I have more? Well, just if you just do this stuff. No, we've just done a series on Galatians. We're not talking about legalism now. If you've missed the series on Galatians, go download it, please. Because this comes into the area of freedom. This is a freedom issue. And my third point about this is exactly the whole series of Galatians, the climax of which for me is Galatians 5 verse 1, which says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why speak about finances, and not just finances, but generosity in every area? It's because God wants freedom in the hearts of his children. Not just financial freedom, guys. I'm not just speaking about finances. Are you generous with your emotions? You want friends like Jerry spoke about? You've got to be generous with your emotions. 
You, you, you want to walk in relationships where you've you got to be generous with your time. You've got to be generous with your energy. See, why did I highlight Louise and recognize that? Because on Thursday, I went to Cornerstone Farm, and there's Louise taking time out half day from her work to go and teach about the Word of God. Why? Because she's received much from a generous God, and she wants to give away much now. That's how it works. We just, we are vessels. We're just vessels of the goodness of God that flows in and through our lives. So the big issue here is freedom. Let me also make this statement just to clear it up. In 18 years of Life Changes Church, we've done two series on finances on a Sunday and one training course during the two training courses during the week on finances. It's not enough. We need to teach people and show people. A couple of things, just because um, I, 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 even since announcing the series and that you get the statement, oh, the church finance is fine. This is not about church finances. We're fine. This is a generous church, and God has been unbelievably good to us. I want to say thank you. And I, even during the series, we'll present the finances like we did last year this time. This is not about church finance. This is about the hearts of men and women and so much more. And so the big issue with this is we want the big blessing of God for this community. And as an eldership, we feel part of that is teaching and bringing life into an area like finances and generosity. And Jesus says this, and if it works for Jesus, it works for me. He says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the son does, the, son, the father does, the son also does. This is an issue of who is God. Because if God is not generous, I will not be generous. And if I don't read the word of God and see a, a generous father in the Bible, there is no calling for me as a son to become a generous son. But my favorite scripture that I've preached on at many weddings, and I love it, and, I, and, and, and in other contexts, is the incredible presentation of God the Father and God the Son in John 2. What was the first miracle Jesus did? Water to wine. And all the oaks who like a bit of wine, you oh, we like that one. It, it wasn't about wine, gents or, or madams. Is madams a word? We're going to make madams a word. And, um, but it's the scenario where Jesus comes into a wedding, and there's this incredible cool reality of how you do theology is there's the law of first mention. When something is mentioned for the first time, it becomes a precedent on which truth is built and revelation is built so that we grow, but we, don't, we use it on basis of the first time that we see that in Scripture. Now, this is the first miracle we see. It's awesome. Jesus takes gallons, and the commentators would say anywhere between 480 and 650 liters of water and turns it into wine. But we're not talking tussies here. We're talking top-class, front-chook, top-class, best-in-the-world wine. The, the Bible says actually the finest of wines. It wasn't because God is now a winemaker. That's not what the Bible's telling us. See, if you understand the culture, if you understand the context, in that context, that bride and groom come to that wedding, and the gifts that are brought are not gifts. They didn't have CNA. They didn't have at home. They didn't have Woolworths. People brought food, they brought wine, they brought everything for the meal. And the, the guests would feast at the meal, and whatever was left over at the meal would then be sold. And all the proceeds of that sale would go to that young couple, and that would be their head start in life financially. And Jesus knows this. He's part of that culture. He's been to many, many weddings in his 30 years. And he sees this opportunity, and there's an opportunity. He doesn't just turn, he doesn't just count the guests because he's not an accountant. What an accountant God would have done is, well, 
There's about 80 people here. They all need one glass of wine. So we need about 15 to 20 bottles. Boom, tussies. No. God says, actually, those vats of wine, 600 liters of water, I'm going to turn into wine. Why? Because I'm a supernatural God. I want to bless my people supernaturally, not naturally. I want to bless them supernaturally. And he produces wine that will overflow, and they could never drink in that party. Why? So that that young couple could then sell that wine and get a head start in life. Why? Because God puts a precedent that says, actually, every time I bless my people, it will be abundant. Every time I bless my people, it will not be of this earth. I will take water, turn it into wine, because I'm not limited by the natural resources of this world, and I'm not limited by terms of economics, because God's not an economist either. How cool is that? That is the first mention of a miracle in the Word, and God says, I'll do that again and again and again and again. Why? Because I'm a generous Father, I'm a generous, generous father. And I love this word Rory Dyer taught me, Matthew 7 verse 11, said if he could describe God and the whole gospel in three words, it would be these three words, how much more? And here's the scripture, if you then know you are evil, know, what? if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who will ask him? How much more? But then I looked and I said, actually, that is all over the Bible describing Jesus. In Luke 12, it says, he, Jesus is speaking. He says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? And then continues in verse 28. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? In Hebrews chapter 9, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? How much more? This is what we do. How much more? It's a banner over my life. You see, a, a generous God presents a truth of himself about how much more. A stingy accountant God, and if you're an accountant, be free. I'm just having fun. But you ask the question, how much do we need? How much is enough? See, generosity in this time is not rational. It doesn't make sense. We went away on men's camp last week, and two of the gents who went on men's camp we're paid for by a single lady in this church who doesn't earn a massive salary. But she had faith that God wanted to do something in men's life. She has faith that God will have prepare a man for her. They will never know that she gave the gift, but there's a father in heaven who's saying, that's my girlie. That's my girl. She's being like me. She's not just singing the songs, oh, to be like him. It's easy to sing the songs. It's another song thing to be like him. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more than generosity in spirit, generosity in forgiveness, generosity in, in, in patience that represents and presents our God to this world powerfully, supernaturally. And I want to present that even in this story, the tug of war still remains. And in this issue, the issue of generosity, there remains a tug of war. And I want to give you an analogy that I trust will help. And um, it's a bit of fun because we just got back from men's camp. But you know what we hold on to? I, I, need to? I need some big, strong Norbits. Come bring those big muscles there, buddy. Just pick up. Come and grab a, 
the side of the rope here, just over here in the light, so you're not in the dark there. Pick it up there. You see, we, when we get saved and we start encountering God, we get these big truths like, hey, God is mighty. God is powerful. John 3.16, I've got that. Boom. It's deep inside. So, so we need another big guy because those are big truths. Stefan, come this side. Yeah. And, and so what you've got is you've got these anchors in our hearts. We're like, yes, I got that. But when that doesn't settle into my heart every day, you see, there's a battle for my heart. And here's the challenge on the issue of the battle for the heart of mankind. The enemy doesn't play by the rules. So we see two guys. So we think, well, obviously, the enemy's got two guys. Come, Michael. And I'm going to grab this. I mean, Michael is trained for this moment in church his whole life. But this black mark on here, that's my heart. And this is, this is the tension that forms in our heart. Take up the slack there a little bit, guys. You see, right now, the truth that God has provided, the truth that God is faithful, the truth that I can trust Him, looks pretty good. So let's add another one. Um, well, Nick, come and grab this. I'm not picking on the skinny guys. Well, I am, really. But, 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 see, I had parents who went to church for 25 years and they lost everything. They gave for 25 years and they lost everything. So now I'm doubting God of it. So a little thought comes in. It doesn't look strong on its own. Sorry, buddy. But, um, <laughs> but it's just there and there's a bit of a tug happening in my heart. Come, Lee, jump up, buddy. See, who, see all this rests on who is God. You see, I've got friends who worship God faithfully for years, and their daughter's not well. So can I trust God? Not, not the word of God spoke. Can I trust God? Yes, Jerry. Come, come stand in the front here, buddy. See, the enemy doesn't play by the rules. He's not two, so two. That, that happens on men's camp. But in the heart, in the battle of the heart, the enemy says, I'll just load the bases with a whole bunch of questions. Come, Brandon, jump up. See, God just starts, uh, he's, he's, the truth is God is faithful. John 3, 16, God gave his son. Come, Emil, we need a big guy here. Yeah. Because every now and again, God says, what I'm going to put in this story is, is, and the enemy knows that he's actually got some big guns, and, and this big gun right now is called recession in 2017. Go anchor the back there. <laughs> See, because the enemy doesn't play by the rules. And my heart's not conditioned unless it's conditioned by one thing. And I'm going to tell you that now. But actually, God says, actually, I can even use a pregnant lady. Come up here, Kelly. Because, because maybe I'm under pressure and maybe I'm pregnant and I'm, I'm worried about my kids. See, in, in the natural man, Mark, outside of I trust in God, I worry about my kids. I've made finance decisions that affected my finances that will have impact on my kids outside of a God who is faithful and true. You see, God is still great and he's still faithful and John 3.16 is still in the Bible and still in my heart, but the enemy knows how to load the bases. And if, if we just take up the slack there a little bit, Kelly, just don't go too passionate. <laughs> we did it this morning and it's pretty obvious. Give it a little tug there. These guys, as big and strong as they are, they don't stand a chance. Give it a proper tug. I mean, just sort them out. Just... See, 
Hold it up if you can tension it up again and give me the middle part. The only way that this is what we do brings freedom in my life is if I get the reason why. The Word of God. Why are we giving away Bibles? Because you need the Word of God in your life. You don't need a preacher to encourage you every week so that you get a pep talk and you walk out and you're feeling encouraged and by Friday you're like, gosh, I've got to get to church again because I don't feel like Christian anymore. And this tension that exists in our life, we aren't called to live with this tension in our life. But most Christians do. And even myself, there are times when I pull myself out of the presence of God for whatever reason. Sometimes life is tough. Sometimes I I pray and nothing happens. Sometimes I lay hands on people and nothing happens. Sometimes I pray for people and it happens in their life, but it doesn't happen in my own life. And the only reason this tension gets broken, the only way this tension gets broken is the Word of God that cuts like a two-edged sword comes and snaps this rope. And you know what that's called? It's called Jesus is Lord. And the tension that exists no longer exists. You can drop it. And the enemy can shout a thousand things at me. It doesn't matter because these truths are deep inside my soul. They bring freedom as life. Why? Because this is what we do. This is what we do because this is who he is. You can take your seats. Thank God. My concern... See, when, jo- when Paul wrote books of the Bible... He was writing as a pastor with a pastoral concern for the people in those towns, in the Corinthians, in the, in the city of Corinth. In, in the people in Ephesians is written to a people in Ephesus. There are different pastoral concerns he's addressing. When we do a series, often behind that and underpinning that is a concern. My concern is that we as the church have to be submitting ourselves to who the Bible says God is. But the challenge is, if we read more Financial Mail articles, more News 24 articles, and we listen to the pessimism and the broken realities of people's lives and the negativity more than we present the truth into our souls, we are overrun, and God becomes an economist or accountant rather than a generous father. And the tension comes back in my heart that shouldn't be there. There's no tension. Jesus is Lord. He is that provider, he is my king, he is faithful, and he is true. And regardless of what economics say, regardless of what statisticians say, I will remain walking in the ways that God calls me. Because this is what we do, why? Because my king is still on his throne. He is father and lord of all, and he is generous and good, and he is kind. This is a hard word. It's hard for us. Some of you, your butts are only relaxing now a little bit, like, it's okay. Here's my neighbor. His car broke down this weekend. It's going to cost him a lot of money. And now he's listening to his neighbor preach about a generous God. Why? Because God is faithful. He's proved himself faithful over all these years. He'll prove himself faithful again. He is the miracle worker God who doesn't operate in the economics of this world. And he takes water and turns it into wine. And he'll keep doing that with our lives. I said to Rian a little while ago, I can't actually explain the finances of my house. And I go back to Durban. I'm being serious. I go back to Durban, and, and I sit with people who I used to earn a lot more than, because I know, because we've walked together a long time, and now they earn three, four times what I earn, and I promise you, I live in more freedom. Yes, in the area of finances, but actually, in every area, finance is just one. Think of that rich young ruler. 
He wanted Jesus. He wanted Jesus, but he couldn't wrestle the tension to the ground. He couldn't allow the truth of who God was to bring freedom and life. And God, at this time, wants to bring freedom and life. In the middle of recession, yes. In the middle of financial challenges, yes. In the middle of not knowing who our financial minister is, yes. Regardless of what interest rates are, yes. Why? Because the generosity of God is not limited by the economics of this world because I worship the God who holds the galaxies in his hands. And he says, I am your savior, I am your king, and I am your healer, and I will bring freedom to your heart if you will trust me. If you will trust me. This is what we do, is about trust. And the gospel, taking our lives and bringing it into the kingdom story, hinges on one thing. Do you believe God is generous? And will you trust him? We got some decisions to make in this series. My job is to present the word of God to you. Your job is to allow the word of God deep inside your heart to bring freedom and life and joy so that you are established for a kingdom-counting supernatural story. Can we pray? Please know that as we preach this series, we preach this with passion and zeal because we believe the word of God and we love you. As a people, we love you. As God's children, we love you. And he loves you. And he wants freedom for his kids. So I pray in this time, Spirit of God, have your way. Reveal the good, faithful, and generous Father. Reveal him in our hearts, I pray. And as you do that, would you bring out the generous sons? Yes, in the midst of economic pressure, yes the generous sons, those who will stand and those who in the midst of, of resources running out like your son Jesus, we will be a part of stories where water turns to wine and the impossible happens. Why? Because the king is still on his throne and he's never changed. He's faithful and he's true. And he will provide. He's looking for his children. Like that word that was spoken over Tyler to break the cycle in his family in marriage. He's looking for his children to break the cycles of scarcity and poverty and orphan mindsets by the word of God getting deep inside and the spirit of God bringing it alive and the children of God walking it out every day. Jesus, have your way. Father, be glorified. And spirit of God, speak to us in this time. I pray for young people. This is not a word for those earning big salaries. This is for those who have a desire to worship Jesus and lives to count in the kingdom of God. This is not for the wealthy. Oh, they need it. This is for someone else. No, every one of us, all the time, need to be reminded of who God is. And that process reminds us of who we are. We thank you, God, as you take us on this incredible journey. This is what we do. Amen.